And so I am pumped and excited about it. Do you realize, how many of you, let me just ask this straight out the bat, because our desire is to see hearts change, lives change, lives made brand new uh, more than anything else. How many of you believe that the Bible, the Word of God, is actually something way more than just a book of history that gives dates and places and times and people, but it literally is the Word of God, like, like Peter says, the Holy Spirit spoke and men of God wrote, you know, that there was nothing that was ordained of man. It was all Holy Spirit inspired. How many of you believe it gives a whole lot more than just history, dates, places, times, events, and things? It gives us a whole lot better than just like how to live better, but it is radically shaping and directing and being the very life of our, our existence today and is also going on into the godly spiritual development that God would have to bring his full form out of each one of us that he created us for. Do you believe the Bible? Bible is bigger than just words. Uh, that's why we're here to some measure, whether it's a yes or whether it's a question or I'm not sure. There, there's, some, there's a question to be answered. So if, with that being said, is it okay if we just kind of jump in here? Because it is, it's, the Bible says this, it says that, you know what, it is, reveals Christ who is a hope of glory with inside of us. So we have hope that it comes ever more alive. So if we can, do you believe the Word of God still applies not just applications for the time that it was written, but the times of us today and where we are today and what we will see this week? Do you believe it still provides guidance for what you're going to see tomorrow? Awesome. Well, if you will, now here's what we're going to do. I want to make sure that nobody leaves here just not knowing somebody that is beside them. So if you will, just look to somebody, two or three people around you, and high five them and say, what if you took your next step today? What if you took your next step today? We're all about next steps, believing, you know what, that we don't just find Jesus and sit soaking sour. He, he has raised us up to new life to serve and to see other people discover him. So if we can, let's jump straight into it. Watch this in Philippians 2.14. Check this out. It says, do everything. Everybody say that E word. Everything. I'm just checking my alphabets here. Everything without complaining and arguing. Isn't that awesome? I bet somebody in here right now is arguing with me already. Don't tell me not to be arguing. Don't tell me not to be complaining. I'll complain if I want to. Matter of fact, I got plenty to complain about. If you want to hear about it, you know, I don't care what it said. I'm just not there yet. My mama complained. My granny complained. My grandpa complained. I got generational complaining. George Washington is in my family tree, and he complained. We've been complaining all our life, and we ain't changing for nobody. If you don't like it, don't be around me. I don't care. But sin, rain. But I ain't, I ain't gonna stop. I'm complaining about you telling me not to complain. Am, am I real? Am I right? Do everything without arguing or complaining. It says do everything. And then it continues on. It says so that no one can criticize you. I love that. No one can criticize you. Can I just tell you, if you battle with offense and battle with being offended because you feel like somebody criticized you at some point and how dare they and who are they to think they are and, and you want to know a way to really overcome offense and to overcome the criticism that, that feels, it, the way to overcome is simply to eliminate the complaints that don't just come out of our mouth but the ones that stay hibernated in our head. Uh, it's not, it's not, it's, it's so often it's not that we're the victim of someone else, we're the victim of our own mind and the things that we store there in our treasure chest. So if you will, let's continue on. It says, live clean and innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Can we pray? 
Lord Jesus, we thank you that we're here on Pentecost Sunday, the celebration of where the church actually first began, the church you created. 2,000 years ago, there was the, the resurrection of the Easter season, and then there was the birth on the day of Pentecost, and here we are on the celebration of that day all over again. It's the anniversary, and God, I pray, may it be, let us be just as surprised as they were then. Where they gathered in a room with all of their worries and all of their concerns and thinking they just had to organize structure and details for the week and the things they had coming ahead. And you just invaded them and sent the Holy Spirit that you had promised that they did not understand till then. May that be the story today. May we experience in you in a way that is shocking to anyone and yet more alive and more real than anything we've ever known. If you would, please pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to fill me today. Holy Spirit, I invite you to lead every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at this. It says the complaining and arguing. It says, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives of children of God. Shine like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Does anyone else see the irony of how it applies in the whole story of these couple of sentences right here? Because isn't the reason that anybody complains because of some crooked, deceiving, back-talking, left-lane, slow-driving, blocking me from getting on by, sucking up to the boss and taking my position because, because of the way you're acting and getting what I deserve and you do the talking about my baby who does no wrong perverse people I mean isn't that where the complaint come from how dare you talk about it? you don't know what you're talking about and you don't know what we've been through isn't that the very complaint the complaint though do we realize you know what according to what God would have us to see today is not connected to the way I feel because it's the way someone else looks, talks, or their thoughts about me or my life in some way. The complaint is about the problem of feeling that somehow complaining is going to awaken you and change you if I complain about you long enough. And that's going to make life better for me. I mean, it, 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 I love how Paul steps into it. He steps in and he clarifies that the opposite of that is actually what will turn everything around. Because, you know, what? God created us. Not to be changed because the outside changes, but he created us to be, to be the people because of what's going on inside of us, that the outside changes around us. It's because of what's within, not because of what's without. Because at the end of the day, we cannot decide on the outside, but we can choose the things on the inside. We cannot, we cannot decide what is handed to us, but we can choose what we do with what's in our hand. Make sense? Awesome. Yes, Danny, it does. Verse 16, like Facebook status, liking my own self to get a little affirmation. It says, hold firmly. Everybody say hold. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run in my, the race in vain and that my work was not useless. You know what I love about this? I, you, you know, it sounds like something uh, that I would think. 
Can I say that? It sounds like something that would go through my mind. And, and you know, if you want to criticize me and judge me, that's okay. But just hang with me for a minute. Hear me out on this and see if maybe you can't come up on this operating table with me a little bit. Because look at this. Paul is saying, this is what Paul is saying. You take this exact verbiage and just translate it into today's language, into, into the English Americana of 2019. And here's what Paul is saying if we just kind of twist those words around a little bit. He says, I wish all of y'all would act right and I wish you would look like you rest at least read God's word one time in your stinking life so I won't go home and beat myself up feeling like I've been through all that I've been through for you for nothing because see at this point any parents in the house even parents with grown kids I mean have you have you ever have you ever have you, have you ever, after a little bit of correction or, or a little bit of guidance and wisdom or after a little bit of help, and have, you, have you ever had those days and those moments where you say, you know what, to some measure of all of those late nights, show me, give me something, give me something back that shows me all of those late nights and all those tears and all that broken heart and all that sitting up with you to past hours that I can't even stand to sit up and I still sat up. Tell me that all those nights and all those bail you out of trouble times and all those long talks pouring in my experience and all those times going and sucking up your teacher to keep you to keep you from getting kicked out of school and with all tell me that it's worth something and with all the head and with all the heart yell and say come on show me something that says that I haven't been through all that I've been through for you for nothing show me some sort of positive return that would encourage me has anybody ever been there it's like, if you haven't, have you been on the other side like, golly, what do I have to do? When will they wake up? Could you imagine? Could you imagine getting a job? There's no agreement on the pay. There's no agreement on anything. You're just assuming. But you know that there's not going to be any conversation until at least 90 hours. And could you imagine after 90 hours on the clock, you walk into the boss's office and, you're, and, and the best you got is like, please show me something that shows all of my time here has not been wasted, that I have not vested all this time for nothing. Please give me something that shows that it was worth me being here. Pay me to prove it wasn't useless. And the writer comes into all that and he says, don't complain. <laughs> Shine bright. And hold on to God's word. So Paul, Paul started this movement in Philippi. You know how he started? He started with 39 lashes across his back. He started by showing up to a city called Philippi that he had a vision to go to. And so he went and he follows the Holy Spirit. And when he gets there, there's nothing good going on except him and his buddy getting arrested, getting beaten, getting lashes over the back till it opens their skin. And then saying, you know what, we're going to cuff you and stuff you and throwing him into the dungeon of a cell and strapping shackles, arms and feet and putting guards around and like, welcome to the vision God gave you to come help somebody. He's like, please, show me. And this is where the birth of the church starts that night in Philippi, the Philippians that he's talking to. And because this is where at midnight, he wait, maybe, maybe I, don't, I wonder if midnight was just the reason because maybe that's when they came back conscious. And so, and he can't see anything. Clank, clank, clank. Don't know what's going on. It can't go anywhere, but at the end of the day, they can go. 
they can start singing, it says they start singing hymns and praise to God. And from that vantage point, not from the yelling, not from the where am I, how did I get here? But from that vantage point, it says the walls began shaking, the chains came off. And as a result, a jailer who was holding him in jail got led to salvation and the church began in Philippi. And he is saying, show me something to show that I haven't done all this in vain. And I'm not here for nothing. So consider this. What if you do everything right and yet everything goes wrong? Because that's where he was. Have you ever done that? To the, to the best of your knowledge, to the best of your understanding, to the best of everything you can see, it's like, I'm doing everything right. I'm living good, man. I don't quit doing some stuff, and I start doing some other stuff. And, man, I, I'm tithing, and I go to church, and I read my Bible, and I, I, I quit cussing out all the people I used to cuss out. And I, I'm, not, I'm not going off on people anymore. I'm not running the left lane driver off the road anymore. I mean, I've, gotten, I've really got myself under control, and I'm trying to, you know, be, be the person. I'm going back and apologizing to my, te- my kids kids teachers for the way that I talked to them even because they talked about my poor little baby who does nothing wrong and I've done all this and and I am but you know what I'm still I just got fired my wife just got mad and told me she don't know how much more she can put up with me and my kid just got suspended from school and you know what have you ever been there where it says like according to everything that you know everything you like I'm doing everything I'm doing right why is everything turning out bad have you ever been there What happens, though, if we don't complain? Because the squeaky wheel is what gets noticed, right? If I'm not squeaking, I'm going to get pushed around. And I'm not going to get noticed. Have you ever wondered what would happen if, like, picture this for a moment, just if there was a world. Ah, forget that. If there was a church worldwide that never complained again. If I never complained, if it was always shining bright, if it was always holding on to God's word. You see, the struggle we can really have in knowing the power of God's word isn't that I don't read it. It isn't that I don't understand it. It it isn't that I, I can't get into it. But sometimes we just won't quit complaining long enough to make room for the direction of the Holy Spirit. Which goes to say and reveal in our life so often sometimes we're way more attra- attracted to the negativity than we are to the victory that's handed to us. Can I, can I tell you, Danny Reed, 101, 5, 5 or 5.30 or 4.30, what, depending on which morning it is, when that alarm clock goes off and it's time to wake up and get going, you know what, you know what my first thought is? Uh, I've got a few minutes while my coffee's being made. I'm going to check Facebook. You know what a you know do you know what what a battle it is sometimes to just say, but I know that's not what's going to be best for me for my first thought in the morning. But you know what sometimes, if I could be honest, I'm 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 human enough that you know what I w- I would appreciate a little affirmation from people who won't talk to me in public otherwise anyway because at least it makes me feel better about myself the first time when I wake up. And sometimes, sometimes I can lose a lot looking for the affirmation of someone who doesn't care over the value that I could give to someone else or that Jesus Christ wants to pour into me through his word. And it's like a resistance that has to go on. It's a, it's a choice that has to go on. 
Because why? Because I can I quickly go from affirmation to look at all the misery. And I can, why do I want to go to misery when Jesus is like, man, I woke you up so we could spend time with victory today. Not knocking, I'm a Facebook fan. I think it's a huge ministry tool, but where's the primary, like, man, it's that God-centeredness. But we learn. We learn to build our life by getting people to do what we want by the way we complain, right? Things not right at work, we're going to complain enough so that it gets to the boss to try to get a little favor, you know, to get some things changed. If, if, if I don't like the way you're treating me, I want to complain about it enough in the right circles that I know that it will lead back to me that at least you'll walk on eggshells and I won't even have to deal with it anymore, right? We, we learn to get what we want by the way we complain. It's like, and some people say, man, she, Danny, if I don't complain, she'll never cook for, for us again. That's how I get out of the microwave and get a decent meal because I finally complain enough about how much she hadn't cooked in so long that she will once a month. I'll never eat again any decent food if I don't complain. And to which she turns around and says, Danny, but if I don't complain, he'll never come home and I'll raise the kids by myself my entire life because my complaining is the only thing that makes him feel guilty enough to come back and spend any time with us. He'll always be gone with the guys. If I don't complain, that's what keeps him in check a little bit. If we don't complain... In fact, sometimes the reason it's so far out of reach to do anything as a step of faith is maybe because our kingdom has been, been built so much on manipulation through complaining for so long that to think of not complaining and not being able to use that manipulation is the same, uh, same idea as somebody with a chemical addiction thinking about going cold turkey. Uh, you know, let me break down like 20 complaints today, 18 tomorrow. I'm going to I'm, I'm, I'm I'm get, get the electronic complaint to, uh, voice microphone on the next day. And I'm going to get the complaint patch on the next day. And, 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 it, and I'm going to complain in different flavors so it would be even better. And I'm just going to kind of wean myself down. You know, it's like, it's like, go, what? Cold turkey? Oh, my goodness. It's freaking out. You know what? It doesn't have to be loud here, though, if it's loud here, does it? Do you guys ever buy anything online? Do any research of a product? Go buy it locally? I'm on, I, I do it all the time. And can I be honest? I, part of why I don't go, I, I, I do go and try to find deals, and then I'll check around locally and see if I can get that deal. But also, part of it, I, what I like about online that, that I can see that I can't see when I walk into any store is I can see everybody's reviews right? And I love reviews. I, I, I love to see what people said about it. And it makes, if this doesn't have any reviews, I don't care how awesome it is. I just didn't buy it. You know, I'm going on, I'm going to let somebody else be the test dummy on that. And by the way, I learned something neat about reviews. I left a bad review because somebody false advertised me not long ago. Like a month later, they said, we'll uh, give you $20 if you'll take your bad complaint down. <laughs> Isn't that amazing, Amazon? But anyway, so I was like, that's how some of these people work it. So, uh, Anyway, they flat out lied. But anyway, so I was like, no, thank you. You lied. I'm not changing it. Um, but I love to read reviews because I love, I love when somebody has like a 5,000 5, reviews and it's got like four and a half stars. And I'm thinking, you got 5,000 reviews. I understand a little 50-50, you know, there's some half, glass half full, glass half empty people. I get that. I understand five stars. It's all in. I understand total bombed out, good for nothing. I get both extremes, but like four and a half, 5,000 reviews, like I got to go back 18 months and find these two people that had a problem. I'm scrolling. If it would ever say load all, it would be like 
the greatest invention given to me because that, that low 10 more, low 20 more, man, that gets old, you know. And so, so I'm looking at it because I'm wanting to know, I'm like, who has the arrogance to say, I don't care what it worked out for for anybody else. This product is garbage because I say it's garbage. No. 4,998 people love the product and they love the people. The product's not garbage. Your mind is garbage, ma'am. Your mind is garbage. So, you know, that's what I think we should be able to reply in there. But probably wouldn't work with not complaining. So, anyway, we better leave that alone. But are you ever thinking, like, what in the world is wrong with the person that has a problem everywhere they go? Obviously, the problem isn't the giver. The problem is the receiver. Obviously, the, the problem is not the product. It's the person receiving the product. Obviously, the source of any complaint isn't in what is received. But it's the one who received it. It's not the quality of the product. It's the heart condition of the receiver. It's not the giver. Paul said, don't complain. So nobody will criticize you. Have you ever considered that God loved us so much that he gave, his, he gave his only son so that we could know him and that we could have an eternal life with him and that we could escape and not, not go to a devil's hell that is burning like a fire that is prepared for the devil and his demons and was not ever prepared for people in the first place because surely people wouldn't choose that option. And he, he has turned around and he provided this way for eternal life which provides, it says, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. If it was not so, I would not tell you. So he's still in the carpentry business and he's still building and he's still the kingdom is still growing and it's all paper well what does heaven look like it makes it so good I'm not the lake of fire I mean you know that's pretty it doesn't matter what it is beyond that and so and he does all this and then he goes into John three seventeen, rolls right after that and it says for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world would be saved through him Jesus' primary focus was not to come to say nah 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 it was to say come out come out come out you're free you're free and so as they continue on, it says, and we're going to complain? Uh, maybe we could complain about things God takes away. You know, God takes away the fun. He restricts a lot of things, you know. If we really follow him through here, it's going to cost something. Uh, well, yeah, it may cost something. It would cost a hangover. It would cost a marriage staying together. It would cost a prodigal coming home. It would cost, cost every need being met. It would cost freedom being found. It would cost, you know, joy evermore. It would cost peace in the life coming to you. I mean, it's really, it's, it's, it's really, it's a bad deal. All the benefits. From anything else setting us free. And it says, and there's a great cloud of witnesses that are watching over us. I don't know what that looks like, but obviously their reviews are very high. Years ago, anybody like the mountains? Anybody ever go toward the Rockies or Pikes Peak or Colorado Springs, Denver, what have you? Go to Yellowstone, all, whatever that way that you had to go through Raton, New Mexico and drive up the interstate there. There's a cool thing was coming back several years ago, coming south of Denver. And if, if you've never been, pictures are just sell your home and do it. It's worth it. Um, but because the pictures don't capture what it, what it really is. And so we're, we left some friends' house in Denver and we're heading home. And south of Denver, got out of all the, the busy and all this stuff. And it's just the interstate and it's flying this way and people flying that way. And and we're going, and all of a sudden it just hits me. I was like, you know, we know where we're going. Everybody, like all these thousands of people that are on this 
on this highway or going somewhere. Everybody, nobody's just sitting, you know, everybody is going. And I look over, and it was just kind of amazing to me, and I look over to the right, and there's the Rockies and stuff in the background. And so the Rockies are like real high, snow-capped and all that, and the interstate is riding down the middle, and it's kind of up high too as far as the city is. And down in between the interstate where everybody's on a path of going somewhere, and the beauty that looks that's out there at the mountains, there's a valley. And in that valley, there just, it's like thousands of houses. It's like, it's just your everyday normal suburbs just going on for days and days and days and days and days. And as the thought hit, you know, inside everyone, as we're just flying by, don't have a concern for anything that's going on there. We're just flying by. And in that house, there's possibly somebody that's got the gun loaded and is contemplating, am I really going to do this? There's somebody else who's waking up thinking about, I said I would never do that again. There's somebody else that's worried about, about, about who's going to bust in their house and search and find in the time they're going to serve. There's somebody else that's arguing, that's griping, that's yelling. There's somebody in there that's being abused and going through things that are tragic. You know, and there, there's some that's like, ha, oh, I just got the best promotion. My life is set. And there's, there's all these stories, and I was thinking, you know, but from where I'm at, none of those problems look very big because all those houses looked about this big. I thought, you know, I'm sure that's how our problems look to God. God, you just don't understand, man. You don't know what I'm going through. I don't know how much more I can take. And he's just like, really? Your view is so small. Because from where I'm sitting... Your problems are not that big. They're easily solvable. I've got it taken care of. There's nothing overwhelming. Why be overwhelmed? We see in the Old Testament, there's a man named Abraham who's been promised a son for 25 years, and he gets close to that 25-year mark, and he finally, he just turns around and yells at God. He says, God, he says, from in his tent. I love it. I love it. See, that's where camping came from. And it says, in his tent, and he began to complain, and he says, God, what good are all your promises when you hadn't even given me a son? And God says, come out of your tent. And he calls him out. And, and because God wanted, God, Abraham wanted God to come down and see how big his problems were. God didn't understand. So God said, you come outside. See it from my view. And then he tells him, he says, you're talking about you don't have a son. But them stars up there, try to count them. If you can. Because from my view, that's how many descendants are going to come from you. Now you're seeing what can't happen. And I already see what's in the writing and what I've already got planned ordained. And faithful am I. You, you know what? Sleep on a cot outside from now on, Abraham. Don't, don't come back into your tent. Stay out here where in my tent. You know, isn't it amazing? Sometimes our biggest of problems, you can tell somebody, and, just, and you ever feel like you tell the biggest of your problems to somebody, and they look at you just like, And you're going like, you don't get it, you know. And they don't. Because to them, you know what? To anybody else, any of our problems pretty much seem small. Because to us it's big. To those it's not. What if the struggle isn't as much to do with the removal of complaining as it is oftentimes just not knowing what to replace empty space with? 
Most frequent question I'm going to ask somebody who is um, recently come off some sort of, say, drug addiction, or maybe they weren't working and they, they got saved, they found Jesus, this radicalist turnaround. The most frequent question I'm going to ask, I'm not coming to them like, say, so you read your Bible today? What you been reading? What's God been doing? Most frequent question I'm going to ask pretty much up front, most often is, have you found a job? Have you found any job? No, not yet. Yeah, I got some application. Have you found, and you know what? Next week when I see them, the next few days, I see them, have you found any work yet? Have you found any work yet? Because I found out, I realized something. It doesn't take long, and you can watch this pattern. When somebody comes to Jesus, and there's, in the background, there's been hooking, there's been crooking, there's been stealing, there's been, there's, there, there's, there's been using this person or that person. When, you know, before salvation, it was like, man, even if I don't have a job, do whatever I want, and who cares what happens to anybody else? And so there was hurting people here and there. And now I'm not hurting people, and now I'm not stealing from people, and now I'm not just shooting up to, to get rid of what I'm facing, and now I'm not getting overcome. Now I'm not trying to cover up where I am and just going off in the fantasy world by the things that I take. And I got this empty space and if that empty space is not filled don't worry it will get filled again with the very stuff that was left Jesus talked about demons he said when a demon leaves somebody it leaves, when it's cast out of somebody and I don't fully understand this but I get some detail of it, it says he cast out somebody that the demon leaves a person and it goes through waterless places I don't know why waterless places but it does and it says when it finds no place to dwell it goes and finds seven other demons that are worse than itself comes back to where it left and when it finds that house swept clean it brings the seven worst demons back with us and the latter state of the person becomes worse than the first what happens sometimes is, is sometimes we learn some things to let go of but we don't realize who we're to be filled with and when Jesus fills the house there's no room in the house for anything to come back the writer of Philippians he continues on he began he says don't make me think that I wasted my time but he wasn't finished so here's where he goes in verse 17 like man this just beat us up no this ain't beat you up but I will rejoice he says even if I lose my life pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God, and I want all of you to share that joy. I want all of you to share that joy. I got a little something up here. He says, man, you know what? I'm saying do all these things so that I will know that I did not do all of this for nothing, that I did not waste my time, that I did not take these lashes on the back, that I did not go unconscious for hours to wake up at midnight chained to the walls with a guard and a sword watching over me in the darkness and dare me to do that. And tell me, please just show me something that says that I didn't do all this for nothing. But then he turns around and says, but you know what? Even if I did, I'm going to rejoice. And I'm going to rejoice even if I lose my life. The next time it's not the 39th lash, it's the 40th lash and it takes me out. Pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. You know, it's easy to see our complaints. Anybody, we're all kind of this clear glass scenario. You know, sometimes, I don't know, some of us may think we're better at fooling other people than we are. But at the end of the day, most people pretty well know because we reveal it by what comes out of our mouth. We, we tell our story every day and people know the truth. We know the truth about each other. And, you know, and it's kind of like we have this complaints. Visualize the, all of our complaints. This is our life. This is us. And these are the complaints we hold on to. Notice we're only half full because it's never fulfilled with the complaint that we take in. And it seems really big though to a small mind 
Because any small validation of reasons to feel the way I do seems big to a small mind. That's just the way it works. And well, letting go, like pouring this out and letting go, that just seems like way too much. Like, I'm going to let go of a little bit that I do have built up, a little bit of power that I do have. And you know what? And so what if I, and so if I do get it, I can't give this up. This is what gives me weight. This is what keeps me steady. This is what protects me from everybody else and everything else. This is what keeps me from getting hurt because as long as I let you know where you stand and I keep voicing about the offense that I have then you know what then nobody's gonna I'm not ever gonna let anybody hurt me again this is how I protect myself and so I give and and if I just give up and I pour out my account of self-justification and I pour out my righteous self-righteous anger uh, I'm not gonna have anything left I won't know how to be me because it's all I've ever known and and now people, if I pour myself out, people can take advantage of me and because I don't have my weight and they'll think I'm weak and people begin to push me around and shove me around because I won't appear as strong as I used to be. But remember Philippians 2.15, he says, without complaining, nobody can criticize. How cool would that be? And you will shine. Like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Right. Remember, remember that? Remember that, that, that part in verse 15? And Paul said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do though. I'm tempted to complain. But instead, I'm just going to pour it out. And you know what happens when we begin to pour out everything that we have obtained and everything we have acquired and we turn into rejoicing? And we begin to empty ourselves and not just for the sake of letting go but for the sake of saying you know what no matter what it costs I will pour it out as an I'm not just getting rid I'm not just getting better I'm not just getting clean I'm pouring it out as an offering to God all of this is yours and I'm rejoicing at every bit that I let go of and rejoicing at every bit you have you know what happens when the water hits the dirt the dead things in the dirt begin to come alive. What we have here, if you plant lovers, some squash I bought a month ago that I've never planted, and it's died numerous times. Numerous times. And I'll walk out, sit on my porch, and I keep saying, one day I'm going to make a garden. And then I look at it and I go, and it's all, I mean, there's nothing left. I'm like, let's see what happens. I go and get one glass of water and I pour over it. Next day, it's like, whoo. And you plant lovers may not like that, but I bought it. So you can buy it from me if you wish. Um, but something happens when the water hits the dirt and the things that we once thought were dead. It's like, but I have nothing to give. And what does it matter if I put my little piece in it anyway? And what does it matter if everybody around me is complaining about everything and everybody else sees all the problems and I'm the only one that's like, I'm not going to complain and I'm not getting involved in that and I'm going to pour myself out before the Lord and I'm going to take care of these things and I'm going to protect this speaker. And, and I'm, I'm going to do all this kind of stuff. And what is it really going to matter? I tell you, it may not seem like it's going to matter a lot until you pour it out and it hits the things where, where de- things have been dead for so long and dead things begin to come to life and do you know what happens when dead things become to life dead things that things that were dead and that were buried and that were gone away they now become life and they begin to produce fruit that you really appreciate 
They begin to produce things that turn around and to become a blessing not only to those around them, but to you directly as well. It's like, it's like a give and receive kind of thing going on. So as you're pouring out, the, pouring out, the rejoicing is pouring through you. And what seemed so little that it did not matter, that, when it met, that it would make a difference, it reached the dirt and it made a difference because the dirt is full of dead things. And what happens when it hits dead things? Come on, dead things come to life. You know what happens when dead things come to life? Dead things give produce. Dead things give fruit back. Dead things give some good stuff never done that in my life I thought people would laugh <laughs> y'all look like y'all needed a little energy because you looked at me very bad and the whole time tastes kind of like a peanut not bad and the whole time we hold on to the complaints about what we view as crooked this is wrong and they're wrong and all this stuff's going on and it's perverse and it's hopeless and she won't ever change and they always use me and I just don't think anything good can come and I don't think there's any hope and there ain't no way I'm going to forgive after what happened and there ain't no way I can be happy for them after what they've done for me and I worked hard and they have it handed to them and life is not fair and I'm tired of getting pushed around and I ain't getting pushed around anymore nobody's going to hurt me they don't, you don't even understand they don't understand nobody even cares and we hold it in and we hold it in and we hold it for our protection and we hold it because we're so arrogant. And we hold it because nobody's ever going to hurt us again. And they don't have to hurt us. Because we never let go of the hurt that we have. In Philippians he comes in. And he says, I'm not going to hold any hurt even if I feel hurt. And I'm going to rejoice. As I pour it all out like a liquid offering. I can't catch it with my fingers and pick it up if I want to. It's liquid and it's going through. I'm pouring it out to God. Isn't rejoicing when it's not natural, the true revealing of the faith in Jesus who saves and heals and delivers. Isn't rejoicing when it's not natural where faith is really revealed? Philippians 3, 1, it continues on. He says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, say it loud. Say this R word right here. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. I, and he goes on and says, I never get tired of telling you these things and I do it to safeguard your faith. When we fail to follow the obedience of the ways of faith, we quickly fall back into the condemnation of works. Being good enough, not good enough. Being good enough, not good enough. And we fall back into this condemnation of performance and he sent his son into the world not to condemn the world but the world would be saved through him. The rejoicing is a faith choice that rewards but not only freedom for us but freedom for those around us. I want, I want to ask if I can, hold out, hold out your hand. Hold out, if we can't, let's stand up. I want to ask you to do this. I've got a little illustration that we close out with. Hold out your hand. Everybody got your right hand? And your right hand, it's got to go like this or it don't work. It's not this. We're not fighting. Um, we're not high-fiving. We're here. In your right hand, because you've got to hold it, because you've got something there. In your right hand, you have rejoicing. God's given it to you. It's the ability. It's the power. It doesn't matter what happens. He's giving you the, the action. You had the batteries for it. It's rejoicing. In the left hand is all of the complaints. Every reason... 
everything we got going on. I could point people out that I'm seeing are doing this right now. Um, yeah. In the left hand, we have complaining. Now, check this out. Psalms 44, 1 said, uh, David said, he says, praise the Lord, my rock. Praise the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. These are weapons we have. He trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle, okay? And we got rejoicing in the right hand, and we got complaining in the left hand. And don't make a decision, but I want to say a question, but don't make a decision yet until I finish. Today, we all have the opportunity to choose which one we're going to hold on to. We're going to hold the complaints, or we're going to hold the rejoicing. We can't hold both. This is one scenario that it's not a both and. You can have a bad life and rejoicing. You can have hard times and victory. We can't have complaining and rejoicing. They're not both and, they're either or. Just think of it to yourself. Which one would I rather hold on to? But, but before you do, here's, the, here's where it really matters. Complaints will always keep me hurt. And rejoicing will always keep me healed. Complaints, we can hold either one. But the complaints, it's going to keep me hurt. The rejoicing, it's going to keep me healed. Just go ahead and squeeze which hand you want to have. The right is rejoicing. The left is complaints. If you're going to hold complaints, own it. But don't ever complain about what comes behind the complaints. The choice has been made. God has given victory. And he says, you know what? As we hold on to rejoicing, he says also, hold on to his word. Because the rejoicing is not going to last very long if we're not holding on to his word right behind it. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you can release your hands and see the tiredness. With heads bowed and eyes closed, as we're standing, I want to ask a question today. I understand for some, the whole issue, the subject of complaining, it may just be boring, irrelevant. But God had it put in his word for some reason, so he must have figured it was important. I figure he knows better than we do. But you know, as a follower of Christ, it's simply a decision. That's all it is. Jesus, I choose you, so therefore I have the ability to let go of complaining. Greater is he who is within me than he who is in the world. The power of Christ is now in me. I have the hope of glory in me. As a follower of Christ, you know, it's as simple as I'm going to start rejoicing in all things because it, what's rejoicing is Christ is rejoicing through me. Simple. Apart from being a follower of Christ, though, a non-complaining, non-miserable lifestyle is out of reach. It's impossible in humanity. Misery is the only option. Maybe today you think of things and say, Danny, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried to be better, I've tried to be better, but I keep failing, failing, failing. And I'm tired of even trying. I'm tired of failing. I wonder today if maybe Christ just even and say, you know, He sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world. He was with a man named Matthew in the Bible and people criticized him for hanging out with sinners and Jesus' response was 
Well, people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. So I'm here to hang out with the sick. Another man asked him, asked him like, why are you even here? And I don't get all this stuff. And Jesus tells him in Luke 19.10, I came to seek. I came looking. I'm not looking for people who are stumbling. I'm running after them to seek and to save the lost. Those who are not currently children of God by belief on the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, when I come seeking, if they will just believe. Then everlasting life, eternal life, and the ability of rejoicing in all things becomes a reality. It becomes not just a song that we sing before church. It becomes a song that we sing that brings great joy in every day of our life. And today with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there's anybody in here today who say, Danny, that's really what I need. I've tried the religion side. I've been trying to be good and good is not working. But today I, I want to know without a shadow of a doubt that I am, I am surrendering my life completely into the hands of Jesus Christ who gave his life for me. I believe that he died. I believe that he was crucified on my behalf. I believe the penalty of sin and the power of sin was crucified on that cross and that everlasting victory and freedom and rejoicing is mine because Jesus Christ was resurrected and the Holy Spirit was sent. And today I receive Jesus into my life for the first time in a way that I understand. Today I invite him into my life to be my Lord, my Savior, my King for the first time in a way that I understand. If that is you all over the auditorium, would you just raise a hand in the air? I'm just going to pray with you. Praise God. Is that just a hand in the air to say, praise God. Praise God. I, I, today, I, all games are off. I, I am surrendering. I'm going, I don't even know what to expect, but I know I'm going to expect Jesus in this. Romans 10, 9, 10 says, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus was raised from the dead, it says, with the heart you believe, resulting in righteousness. You become right standing with God. Everything has gone away. Everything that was ever held against you is nailed to the cross. It is gone. Victory is it and only it. It says, with the mouth we confess, it results in salvation.